the two of us would be like Adele and I'd be like sorry you can't talk to you just the rest of my voice yeah I need you to get me Manuka honey <laughs> <laughs> Hey gals. Hey gals. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And this is Cradle to the Gram. So today's topic is Homer Away. And it actually reminds me of that question where they do in a question of sports. Did you did you watch that as a family? We used to watch it all the time. God no. <laughs> <laughs> they no. Basically the contestants would have to like it was a picture round, I think, and the contestants would have to pick whether they wanted to answer questions about home teams or away teams and obviously you got more points for like getting an away question right than a home question but anyway so absolutely love that <laughs> what we are going to be tackling today is a sort of comparison between the experiences of people who have been here in Ireland since the COVID pandemic began and then comparing that with making the choice to come home to Ireland from abroad so I was trying to find numbers on this because, you know, we're totes profesh and it's actually very hard to even find finalised numbers because I think, in all honesty, that the Irish government don't know how many Irish people have, have come home permanently since this started. But mm. I found out that in Canada alone right now, there are 9,000 Irish people on short-term visas. So if you think that, you know a certain amount of those people must have already come home. And I did find a number that back in April, the Department of Foreign Affairs said that they had already helped over four and a half thousand people to come home to Ireland. So that's just the people that they helped. That doesn't include people who booked their own flights or, you know, had family help them get home. And I think it's just, it's such a big, it's such a big issue and it's not really being discussed, you know, the difficult experiences that people are having with coming back to an Ireland that looks basically nothing like the Ireland that they left it's kind of a it's kind of a scary thing and when you do come home you're obviously supposed to quarantine for 14 days which we did and like as you know Emily like I've lived abroad god one two three four definitely four times now and there 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 are these things that are sort of default when you move home that you're really excited about you know your welcome party at the airport when you arrive in seeing your family and friends getting to hug them you're looking forward to you know all the restaurants that you missed out um from being abroad that you're going to eat in and everything like that and you come home and the reality is that someone hands you a piece of paper and says please quarantine for 14 days you don't see your family you don't see your friends and you can't really go anywhere and it's just this really bizarre thing. And at the time, you kind of just, you go through it and you just take each day as it comes. But I do feel that there is a lack of conversation that we should be having. You know, in Ireland, we do this awful thing where we'll we'll complain like mad about something, but then we'll end it by saying, oh, but you know, there's always someone in, in a worse scenario than me, which... Yeah. Inevitably, yes, of course there is. Like, of course, there is unfortunately someone who is having a more difficult time than you. But I think we almost use that as a defense mechanism so that we don't really have to talk about what whatever it is we're going through. I think we're getting better at it, but I do think that unfortunately 
at the moment it's become really prevalent again because people don't want to seem like they're complaining about something but it shouldn't stop you from processing your own challenges absolutely and I think it's so interesting that you talk about expectations um when you come home that you know the kind of the expert expectation when you relocate back to Ireland is now you know has gone from this beautiful ideal to now suddenly it being such a, a clinical and set aside process because I, I've only lived abroad once I've never really been a person who wants to live abroad I'll be perfectly honest I am more of a home bird and um, which is surprising because I would have I love to travel but I, I would always come back to Ireland mm-hmm. and it's really interesting that you should talk about expectations because I think that when we were here in Ireland and the lockdown started we didn't have any expectations and I certainly didn't have any expectations I didn't know what was going to happen and I genuinely thought the whole thing was going to be over in two weeks Mm -hmm. genuinely so I I think it's 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 changed an awful lot of people's expectations about themselves but it's also changed an awful lot of expectations about the future you know what is going to happen and I think for everybody those who have come home and those who have always been here since COVID started we're really starting to come to a phase now where the we're we have to come out of survivor mode mm. we have to come out of this mode of okay catastrophizing everything pulling everything into our own little bubbles and just trying to survive we actually need to think about how we're going to start to thrive in this in this new world mm. and i think you know covid is still a barrier it's still a barrier for people wanting to come home and it's also still a barrier for people internally in ireland who want to go home if their home is outside of five kilometers yeah um, so it's really interesting that even though they're, they're distinctly different experiences, how they actually kind of link together to form this one shared experience. Um, just to touch as well on something else you talked about, you talked about how people are relating to each other and how people are actually starting to like think about life now. Mm. Like I think the expectations that are on people now that are put that they're putting on themselves and that they're putting on everybody else are completely changing day to day, moment to moment. And I think that, you know, I do agree with you that Irish people have this thing where like, oh, it could always be worse. Yeah. But I think that now through this this whole pandemic, the actual thing has been everyone's problems are their own. Mm. You know, everyone is going through pain. Everyone is going through this type of suffering that for most of us, we haven't experienced it before. So like I've always been I've been at home in Ireland for the past few years. I've always been able to go home yeah. and see my parents you you have not had that experience because you've been abroad so the expectation is indifferent but I think that this this whole experience anyway I hope as a collective country we've learned to kind of accept other people's pain as being the same as ours mm. and that we are having that shared experience and that it, it could be worse because I think that that's how we're trying to like hang on to hope as a nation mm. um, but at the same time I think that there's a lot to be said for us all having a bit more empathy for each other that people realizing that you know somebody cribbing because they can't go down the road and get a coffee, although it's it's absolutely not comparable to somebody dying or being hospitalised. It's still their problem and their problems are their own and that we should all kind of maybe have a small bit of respect and empathy for that. I, I think everyone's I think everyone's going through like a collective experience, but we don't really want to acknowledge it because the thought of acknowledging it is actually so sad that it would be it would make this whole quarantining and COVID-19 experience so much worse. Yeah, totally. I think it is. That's what it is. It's like a denial, a defense mechanism. I think there's a bit missing as well where we should actually be really proud of how we've handled things. Like I know not ev- not everyone is, you know, no politician can ever actually please everyone. Like it's it's physically impossible. But I will say that even even before I left Australia to come home, really 
we were looking out at Ireland and New Zealand as well as another country that was handling this so well and the communication that was coming from leaders was just so much better than an awful lot of other places I actually think there's a place for us to be proud of how of how we've handled things like I don't think half as many people would have felt the urgency to come home if things had been handled any differently like I was reading news from Ireland when I was in Australia because I felt like this is the reality like this is what's actually happening airports are starting to close airlines are shutting down I need to come home or I could be stuck here yes and I think they did such a good job of quelling the fear yeah it was yeah because it wasn't it wasn't out of fear that I came home it was out of a sense that like I would be safer there yeah it's crazy because like the day before I went into lockdown so I'm going to say it was around the 19th or 20th of March I should know but I, I don't know specifically but I was in Germany the day before we actually went into lockdown um with work and the ger- in Germany they had a completely different vibe altogether it was very much like everything was normal nothing is happening and I remember getting on the plane and there was eight people flew out from Dublin and 21 people flew back from um, Munich in Germany so the plane was empty we had our own our own rows all the the cabin crew and stuff were wearing masks it was an Aer Lingus flight and I remember coming back on the plane and coming home thinking to myself right either I personally I'm going to take the German route which is everything is fine what are we worried about or we can I could clearly see the panic starting to kind of rise in Ireland mm. and like I remember coming I remember coming home from the airport and I literally came into the house put everything I had on into a bag everything I touched my whole time in Germany I put into a bag I wiped down everything my suitcase got into the shower I had a scalding hot shower scrubbed myself cut my nails yeah got out put everything that was in the in that bin bag into the wash washed it on a boil washed my coat everything and I remember sitting down as I was waiting for the stuff in the dryer and I was like god you're being really irrational mm. I was saying to myself like this is an unhealthy irrational behavior like you're you're just you're being like too overprotective and it turns out two weeks later that's what we're basically being told to do yeah so the, the sheer fear I think was quelled for me in Ireland after like a week or so and I think yourself and Katie like correct me if I'm wrong like had the same experience because I remember talking to you guys when you were in Australia and you got the sense that they weren't panicked enough yeah yeah it was a weird a weird thing because like I say we were reading the Irish news and you know things were going on lockdown and there was like the kilometer restrictions and everything but I could still like go and get my nails done I could go to the pub if I wanted I could go across the road for a coffee during the day there was basically nothing changed and even by the time we left Australia still nothing had changed and it's just it was so strange if you're listening to this and you're thinking yeah that was me like please do reach out to us because I can only imagine that there's maybe tens of thousands of of us that have come back from from abroad at this point it was such a bizarre experience that I'd been in Australia long enough to feel like, okay, this is where this is where I'm living right now. But it was it was almost as if this was an event that was so big that it just immediately brought all my focus back solely just on Ireland. Like there was nothing else that I was really concerned about except for what was what was gonna happen at home. I imagine that's got to be that's got to be a shared experience. Even just the the experience of trying to book a flight, it was absolute pandemonium. Yeah. Like, it's the only way I can describe it. And 
then getting on the flight everything was so tense like we were lucky we were Mm. able to get gloves we had masks not surgical ones but we had cotton masks and everyone was in the same boat and literally if someone coughed like 10 rows down from you you were kind of like you almost like you tensed up it was so strange I'd never never had a flight experience like it you know that's like three three or four flights in a row that you're feeling that and I think did any of us process that properly probably not I was just relieved to get home I like walked in the door did the classic thing had a cup of tea and probably a pack of potato like I really didn't care how I actually felt other than relief and that's not really that healthy. I kind of just brushed over it and I feel there must that must be a shared experience because certainly what I do when I'm in crisis mode is I just get through something and then I usually process it afterwards. But this time it definitely took me a while to realize the gravity of what had happened and the size of the adjustment that I was going to have to make. Because, yes. Because I was used to just coming back to normal life at home but I wasn't coming back to, to normal. I was coming back to something completely different. Um, yeah. yeah, basically. And we often joke about, obviously, you know, everyone wipes down their shopping when they come back from doing the grocery shop. I personally think that's something now that I'll always do just out of default. I think in a way it kind of makes sense to me. Like, why did I not do that before? Will our grandkids in however many years time be watching us wiping down our groceries and turn to their mum or dad and be like mum why is granny wiping down her shopping and the mum or dad will just be like she survived covid don't don't talk about it oh my god it'd be like (laughs) yeah it's so funny though because i had a completely opposite reaction after i had sterilized myself after i came home from (laughs) from germany the next day i went into full-on panic mode I'm not proud to admit it. Like I'm, I'm not ashamed and I'm not embarrassed because I was absolutely in that time zone. But I was one of those panic shoppers people. Yeah. I went to the pharmacy. I got my prescription. I have. See, I got everything. I must just. I spent like two hundred euros in a space of three hours because I was just absolutely panicked. The reason I was panicked when I look back at it now is because there's only the two of us living in the in our apartment, right? And yeah, we have friends in the Dublin area, like really good friends. But it was. It's just the two of us, mm-hmm. and. All I could think of was, oh my, and because I had come back from Germany as well, I was like, I have it, I have it, definitely have Mm. it. All I could think of was like, oh my God, imagine if Enda's in a situation. Now, Enda's not a helpless child, like Enda's early 30, he's like grown ass man, like he's currently doing the washing as (laughs) as we speak, like he's, you know, we we have like definitely non-traditional household roles. But all I could think of was like, what if Enda doesn't have paracetamol? Yeah. What if Enda doesn't have two kgs of pasta what if there's a situation <laughs> where seriously like, what if there's a situation where Ender's alone in the apartment I don't want him going out and having to go to the supermarket and do all those things or I, I and I was thinking of like myself as well because I was like oh my god what if Ender gets sick and like you know you, your your mind goes to the worst case scenario and I was like what if Ender's in hospital like I'm going to need to be able to quarantine myself for 14 days like all I was thinking of was like we could need 14 days where we cannot leave and it's just the two of us we only have ourselves to depend on and it was absolutely like panic mode Mm. and then I just remember it so vividly and I think I'll remember for the rest of my life was when Leo did the you know after our first two weeks of lockdown we were sitting on the couch and it was like I think the lockdown is going to be extended and I was like what I was like this is just for two weeks oh god like I was actually sitting on the couch and like I'm a tangent person like I like to think I'm intelligent anyway but I was just like I'm going to be here for 
what? Like forever. <laughs> like what? Jenny thought, okay, you guys, it's all very fun. We all uh, worked from home and everything's great. And we've all done the panic buying. And like it was something different for two weeks. But I want to go back to my office now. And I literally sat on the couch and I cried after the announcement. It was literally, it yeah. just reminded me. I wondered, is that how people felt when Churchill made announcements? Do you know, I, I felt like I was witnessing this moment in history where it is, this is not over. It's, we were joking about the other day. What are they going to do about reeling in the years for 2020? Are they just oh, going to skip it? Or is it just going to be a black screen for however many minutes with like a really sad song playing? I'm sorry. It's been a shit year. It's been crazy. Insane. Yeah. And I do hope that that's one thing that I hope kind of goes away is this insular thinking that everyone's had to do. Everyone's had to become very concerned about themselves and the people that are closest to them because you need to kind of take more care than you ever have before. And I think in some ways that's made us a bit not unfriendly because I think as a nation we'd find that very difficult and it's a great thing but I do think it's a big part of our identity and I think we should really try to get that back like when we can you know gather together as communities again and things like that because it would be such a shame to let it stagnate and become normal you know it's one of the things that when when I was actually living in London I had to you know every everyone just has tunnel vision there it's such a fast-moving city you would never would say chat to the person that's serving you if you're in a shop. And then as soon as I moved home from London, everyone was chatting to me and I realised that I had forgotten the art of small talk. I really like, hope we don't lose it. And I think, if anything, it's so interesting you should say that because if anything, I find that I'm actually having more small talk with people because you know me, Sarah, I love an elderly person. I don't care what they're like. It's They have a wealth of experience and I just, I'm really, really fond of old people. Ever since I was a teenager, I always had this mentality that like I used to always sit, at the, sit next to the old person on the bus and just mm. start talking to them because I, I have this thing in my head that that person might not talk to anybody else for the whole day. Yeah. So when I go out my morning walk, I, I say hello to everyone. All the old people Aww. walking their dogs. I'm like, good morning. How are you? Are you okay today? And they're like, what are you doing? But there's a little old man at the end of our road. I say good morning to him every morning on my half nine walk. And he's literally the same three sentences every day. Hi, how are you? I'm grand, thanks. How are you? Are you keeping well? I am, thanks. And yourself? I am, not too bad. It's fierce. Insert weather pun here. Windy, yeah. hot, warm, bright, yeah. wet. Oh, yeah. Listen, have a good day now, mind yourself. Okay, mind yourself. Every single day I see oh, him. I love that. I found myself reaching out to like, the elderly even more just to like, even say hello. Now, it does frighten some of them. Like, I try not to be too in their faces <laughs> because I am standing like two meters away, usually in my all black workout gear. So I try not to be like too intimidating, but like it, it has made me re- reach out to people even more. But at the same time, then I do think that there is part of me. We went to Dunn's and Stevens Green there last Friday, which is a huge shopping centre for those who don't know it. The Dunn's is absolutely huge. Mm. And I nearly had a breakdown because we're I've got we've gone from like shopping in a Tesco Express to going to this Dunn's just for like a change of scenery. Mm. Which Dunn's for change of scenery. I On a Friday, I nearly had a breakdown. I was like, I don't feel safe. There's so many people around. We have to get back to our little our yeah. one bed apartment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. There's definitely a few PhDs for the psychologists, psychiatrists, medical students, sociologists, oh political economists. There's a wealth of learning that we're going to take from this this period in history. And like, it's never going to be normal again. Like, I, I wish mm. people would leave go of this idea that we're all going to go back to normal. There is not going to be a party on, you know, the middle of August where we're all going to go out in the street and start packing into the pubs. Mm. It, it's not going to, it's, it's never going to go back to normal until, I don't know, we get a vaccine if that's yeah. even going to be a thing we just need to kind of do the best we can try and create as much opportunities to go for people to go home 
yeah to go where they need to go allow people that movement again and we need to just try and get back to that place yeah totally and I think just talk about it don't be afraid to ring a friend during your coffee break or during your lunch or something even if you think that it sounds stupid just ask them how their week has been you know just things like that or even just how they're coping because everyone's initial reaction is to either say yeah I'm grand I'm fine or it's to you know give you the same the same thing that everyone is saying like oh sure it's terrible but we'll get through it but underneath that if you ask literally one more probing question underneath that is that person's actual experience and they just don't they don't know if you even really want to hear about it but they need to get it out and I think that's the whole it's the whole point we need to you know we're a nation of talkers we need to talk about what's happening so that we can actually process it properly amen Amen. Yeah. And I know we're all sick of Zoom. We're all sick of bringing each other. But oh. seriously, let's pull up our socks and just keep going. Just keep doing um, it. Yeah, it's not just the elderly that need it. It's everyone. We just need to keep talking. Amen, sister. Love us. Yeah. On that note, we're going to intro a, an old segment. And it's called There's oh, an segment. A- <laughs> Yeah, we should have a segment jingle. It's called There's an app for that. Obviously, being that we're both in our 20s, apps are life. And, you know, what would we do without them? Not a lot, I imagine. Every episode, we're going to try and bring you our suggestion for an app that we have found has been really helpful for us in relation to the topic. So obviously, this week's topic is home or away. And as I said earlier, I've lived abroad um, a bunch of times now, most recently in Australia And it might sound really basic, but my suggestion for there's an app for that is actually YouTube. One of the reasons for it is no matter how many times I live abroad, I'll always at some point during the experience, I'll always look up things on YouTube that remind me of home. And it's like the only place that I can find all of them in one spot. Every time I've lived abroad, I've looked up sminky shorts. If there are those of you that don't know what those are please look them up on um, YouTube they're a cork-based animation and they are probably funnier for cork people but I feel like also just generally hilarious every single time I just go back to it it's just so funny and it just reminds you of home in a way that you know nothing else kind of really can and it's just pure humor also it's just a great way to learn things Mm -hmm. you know people I think sometimes people are a bit anti with YouTube because it is so easy to fall down a YouTube rabbit hole you end up watching 600 videos of like dogs jumping over walls of toilet paper like it's oh my god yeah it can happen but you can actually learn an awful lot of things on there I have a lot of free time since we came home and I'd always wanted to learn how to do a cut crease because I'm trying to get better at makeup but it's like it's like the Mo Kani look of makeup everyone just tells you it's really hard just avoid it for as long as you can do anything else and I was like do you know what now I have the time so I'm gonna learn how to do it <laughs> lo and behold a few YouTube tutorials later and I can actually do a decent cook race. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be yes. the dogs jumping over toilet paper. You can actually learn an awful lot on there. And, you know, it could be anything like makeup, drawing, painting, coding. It could be it could be literally anything. I think it's under 
used as a resource because people associate it with just like brain drain but I'd highly encourage people to you know try and do something different with it look up something different yeah love that so for me this week this is where I have my confessional so everyone hold on to their seats but I am not actually on social media uh yeah i know and we will be discussing that in 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 great detail in the next episode it's the episode called i'm woke step back (laughs) i'm woke so myself and social media had a breakup about two years ago we amicably parted she was making me fat i was making her miserable (laughs) and i haven't been back on social media since and you know we will talk about it but you know i'm all the better for my diet so my um recommendation every week will not always be a tech app but coincidentally this week my recommendation is grace and perry's art club it's a channel four production it's grace and perry and his wife filmed a different topic every week from their studio where Grayson Perry works on one art piece kind of continuously throughout the series, his Alan Measles COVID icon statue thing. You'll completely get it if you if you tune into it. But for me, during this kind of breakdown, I was going to say, I meant to say lockdown, but Break I was supposed to break down. I don't know, is this, I don't know if that's a bit of a Freudian slip, but I meant, I meant between lockdown. <laughs> I've just had a lot of free time like everyone and I've always been really intimidated by art I think that art has always had this for me this kind of air of inaccessibility Mm. and for me Grace and Perry's Art Club has opened the door to the possibilities of picking up a pencil and just drawing shite that comes into your head Mm. he has just made it so accessible for people so every day so for everyone now I will not lie to you there are times where he interviews artists and some of them are, you know, do have that kind of elitism and that kind of like that elevated sense of what you would imagine your stereotypical artist to be. But for any of those, even if you're not interested in art, even if you just want to see two, you know, really funny people, a husband and wife potter around in lockdown eating bananas because every single episode they're eating bananas. <laughs> if you want to see a cute, if you want to see a cute cat, a mangled teddy bear, Grace and Perry Art Club. You can get it on Channel 4 every Monday at 8pm or you can also get it on the More 4 app but for this week it's going to be Grace and Perry's Art Club. And also we are not endorsed by YouTube or Channel 4 just to, to put, the, but if, put that out But there. If, they want, if they want to send us a big check we will gladly <laughs> accept it. We've already gotten our check from Vogue.com for their horoscope <laughs> shout out in the last episode. But if YouTube or Channel 4 wants to come and talk to us, we will happily, happily engage with them for any and all discussions. You can get on to Sarah. She is the CEO of this operation. Um, And she will let you know the fee to rent the two of us for a few hours. Firstly, uh, microphones, professional microphones for both of us, because to be fair, we're we're doing our best. But, you know, we're in opposite ends of the country. So there we go. I would I would also like a vocal coach. Oh, my gosh. Like Mariah, if Mariah can have it. <laughs> if Mariah can have it, why can't I? If Mariah can have it. <laughs> I love it. Before we sign off on this episode, we actually need to give a big shout out to two Katies, as it happens. Oh, you might have, you might have heard a whoop in the background there from, from my very own Katie. So yeah, firstly, thank you to, to Katie, my fiance, for helping us to name the podcast, which was extremely challenging I yeah if any of you ever start a podcast like please think of the name first and do yourself a favor and then also I want to thank another Katie who has done our artwork which we are absolutely obsessed with we went to her with a 
very basic idea and she just made it absolutely fab so thank you so much for doing that um if you'd like to share any of your tales of lockdown success or indeed lockdown failure we would love to hear all of them equally as i said earlier we are you know we're really hoping with the podcast to to create a space for people to have these difficult discussions about what they what they've been through and both of us are are more than happy to to chat and to hear stories from people about if you're like Emily and you've been here in Ireland the whole time during lockdown or whether you've come home from abroad like myself we are at cradle to the gram on Instagram so drop us a DM or a comment on our most recent post and next week we are going to be talking about your expectations of lockdown well, Karen, Ooh. have you learned Spanish? Well, you learned Karen. Spanish, Karen? <laughs> well, Karen, have you learned to bake? What have you done to improve yourself during lockdown? Did you not see Linda across the road? She's lost three stone. She's <laughs> learned Mandarin Chinese and now she can play the trumpet with her left hand. Yes, Linda. <laughs> we are going to talk about balancing the social pressures of perfection in lockdown with the actual reality which is lots of Netflix lots of food get your steps up by walking to and from the fridge or pound the roads at your 10k every day we're going to talk about that on the next episode and we would love to see you there we will chat to you soon but for now thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you next time see you guys bye